Two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast, the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast that loves a good bone. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. Today we've got our very first doctor guest. However, Dr. Sarah is no ordinary doctor. She was Miss Inc. Australia and New Zealand in 2017, mum to a toddler, a tattoo studio owner and an orthopaedic registrar. She's bright and colourful and nothing you would expect from a stereotypical surgeon. Breaking the bias in so many ways. Welcome, Dr. Sarah. Oh, thank you so much for having me, guys. This is exciting. What an intro. Uh, (laughs) Makes me sound really exciting, but I'm actually really not. (laughs) I don't know. One look at your Instagram and I feel like you're pretty excited. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, So let's start with when you decided to become a doctor. Yeah, so I um I started pretty late actually. Um, I kind of decided when I was about you know twenty or so that maybe I was interested in the medical industry, but at the time was doing some stuff in dental assisting and kind of the the um dental side of things and didn't really think too much about it. But um grew up with my old man being a country GP, so I always kind of like looked up to him. Um, and then kind of had a bit of a light bulb moment that, um, hey, maybe I could do this and, you know, be a clinician and kind of get in and help people and do all the things and kind of started, um, yeah, started my application for med school late. But um, I kind of went in by the undergraduate pathway still. Um, but, yeah, started as a mature age student. So just, yeah, that's kind of my journey. So what was your undergrad? Yeah, so my so I didn't do any undergrad university training. My undergrad was through TAFE, so um, through Adelaide. Yeah, so it was interesting for me because prior to well, I started medical school in two thousand and thirteen after having done like TAFE studies for hospitality management and um, for some dental assisting and oral health type things. And they at that time allowed you to apply for medical school as uh, undergraduate. Um, having done TAFE studies without having to go post-grad. So I was like the last year that Adelaide Uni decided to take someone in via that pathway. So I still had to set the undergraduate medical entrance exam um, and still had to do the application process for interviews, but it was the last year they allowed you to have like your previous year 12 studies from quite so long ago um, because I finished year 12 in 2005. So um, 2005 and 2006, I did it over two years. So for me, it was quite a, a hiatus between training, but was therefore much older than most of my cohort when I started at undergraduate medical school. But um, yeah, being a mature student. I feel like you're already inspirational. No, I just, you know, like I did, I did when I was 18, like I didn't know, I didn't want to be a doctor. Like I was too busy, you know, having fun yeah. and um, doing all the things that teenagers like to do. So um, it certainly meant that having a bit more life experience by the time I applied, I think that was helpful. Um, you know, having, um, you know, not coming straight from school and going straight to medical school was certainly um, 
adventitious, you could say to me, because, you know, you could relate to people a bit more. And also I grew up in the country, so, um, you know, very different, very different background to most of the people that I studied with. Um, you know, I, I did all my schooling um, in a rural school, you know, open access, some of the stuff, um, you know, wasn't, didn't get the opportunity to go to, you know, well, a private school in the city, you know, I had like 10 people in my year 12 class. It was very small. <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> very different. Yeah, very different to most. Um, but, you know, like it, we, it mold, you know, I'm glad because it certainly, you know, um, helped mould who I am today, I guess. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting that, um, yeah, you say you got in with those undergraduate studies because in 2008 I was looking at, I was an enrolled nurse and I was looking at transitioning to registered nurse and, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll just go and do medicine instead because I'd sort of always had thought about it. But my grandfather mm. was an orthopedic surgeon and he was very much women are nurses and men are doctors. So <laughs> he'd always encouraged me to be a nurse. And at the time yep. I had graduated high school in 1995. So they, I had to redo, and I didn't do like a tertiary entrance exam Mm-hmm. we used to call it a TE back then but I didn't do that so I would have to go back and do um year 12 or a year of some kind of study to get in mm-hmm. and it was going to be a two and a half year process for me to even get into medicine and I was like oh I'd almost finished my RN by then so I never <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never did it because I was like oh I don't want to sit the GAMSA and I was like yeah terrified yeah. about it oh, and I was yeah, already I'll, 30 I'll, so I was like oh yeah. I'm gonna be old yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I um like I honestly like GAMSAT god I'm glad I didn't have to do it that'd be a tough exam to pass like so much respect for people that go and do that you know that's yeah. amazing um like I initially even thought you know I wanted to pursue dentistry um was another option that I thought as well you know like as another avenue if I couldn't have got into medicine the you know the plan was kind of oh hey I could go this way and maybe you know transition across disciplines um if I'd got in but I wasn't successful in gaining entry to dentistry anyway so um, that kind of came off that work got taken off the cards but But that's incredible that you even had those thoughts as someone who you know was working in a relatively like you know not low skilled, but you know, mm. you what was your course like six months or a year or something to do dental assisting? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was, um, it was done over, yeah, like I think it took it took a couple of years because I was working full time as a dental assistant, um, and then subsequently clinical coordinator in a country practice anyway. So I had quite a had quite a good role that was, um, you know, that was it was fulfilling and I enjoyed it. And you know, I could have been quite happy doing that. But I was actually quite lucky and it's quite interesting because um I being from rural background entry, I think that's subsequently what got mm. me my offer into medical school because they, you know, they try and get people in from different walks of life to feel, you know, I guess quotas look good on paper and yeah. you know, like they're trying to <laughs> trying to diversify and so forth. But um, you know, I got a last a very last minute call up. Like they called me because someone pulled out last minute and said, oh. you know, hey, we've got a spot. Um, you know, O week starts in two weeks. We need to know by the end of tomorrow. So I had to quit my full time job and find a house in the city. Um within the space of 48 hours. So it was like a very last minute thing for me. Um uh, yeah to even think about that now is quite scary to having to make a decision like that but no like glad I did and it all obviously worked out in the end but um yeah it was definitely not a routine entrance for me it was meant to be <laughs> must have been <laughs> <laughs> obviously we're a nursing podcast and as a doctor I mean nurses always joke about 
doctors and junior doctors especially. No. Uh, (laughs) um, And I have heard another, I read a book by another doctor who describes some interactions with nurses as, as not being the most I don't know, pleasant experience maybe when she was a junior doctor. How have you found your interactions with nurses over the over the years, especially as a, as a junior doctor on the way up? Yeah. Look, I've been I've been really lucky. I've uh, always had good interactions with the nurses on the ward. Um, I think part of that though is a lot that from the start, you know, when you go into kind of you know day one as a junior doctor, or, you know, you've flying on your feet and people say you know if you piss off the nurses it's going to be hard for you you know from the get-go and like um you know just being realizing that you're actually a team and that everybody Mm. is important as one another and that you know there shouldn't be this you know some doctors think they've got this god complex and that maybe they put themselves on this hierarchical pedestal themselves um and you know think that they may be better than other people which I certainly don't and uh, I certainly respect the fact that nurses often know what they're doing and have been doing it for longer than me um so I've always gone out of my way to you know um you know make sure I know who everybody is you know introduce yourself and work as a team and um especially in you know in the discipline of orthopedics that I work with the nurses you know they're very skilled very skilled um, Mm. especially the pediatric ones in particular Um, and you know people that don't listen or take nurses seriously probably half the time if they're having bad interactions maybe they deserve it yeah maybe there's something there's a reason why (laughs) Um, you know I'm far from perfect but I always make an effort to make sure that you know I'm kind to everybody and that I make sure everybody's heard so um, yeah I can't I honestly can't pinpoint any particular bad uh, experiences that I've had I feel like what you had going for you is that you'd already worked with dentists Mm. Like as as an assistant so I suppose you could relate to nurses at yeah. some level that maybe a lot of doctors can't like we get we had this amazing intern must have been the year before last year or last year before I went on maternity leave and he literally knew every single nurse's name mm. he knew every single patient's name he knew all yeah. the bloody porter's names yeah. I'm like I don't even know all their names like he, yeah. and he knew everyone and he made a point of knowing people's names and I'm like you know if that's refreshing like that's a worry yeah <laughs> I know yeah <laughs> it is some of the doctors we get now like that are that are admitting GPs to our hospital I'm sure they wouldn't know what my name is yeah. and I'm like I run the fucking hospital yeah but that's crap them. like that's a reflection of them you know like there's no reason why you shouldn't make an active effort to know the people involved in everybody's care around you you know like yeah, exactly right. because re- I'll be the one saying <laughs> there are if a patient exactly drops dead yeah but also <laughs> like you guys you you spend a lot a lot of the time you spend more time with a patient one-on-one so you know if you're concerned then you genuinely have a reason to do so and we should really acknowledge that um instead of being like oh whatever you know listen to this nurse or not that's that's crap like you know you're not going to show concern if if you're not genuinely concerned so yeah I have a bit of a fun have a bit of a fundamental problem with people when they do have issues with um, Mm. people in different allied health areas yeah I I wonder if that's your country nature coming out as well that yeah 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 Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm an inclusive person. Like it takes a lot to piss me off and it takes a lot for me to not like anyone. So yeah. yeah. Whereas I'm the opposite. I was from the the city and moved to the country and I have like no tolerance. (laughs) How did you decide, is orthopedics going to be the area that you now specialize in? Have you, is that what you've decided? Yeah. yeah, it is. Like I'm not in I'm not in what we call set training yet, so I'm not a dedicated orthopedic uh, racks trainee in a sense yet. But I'm I am a um, a service registrar committed to orthopedics. So yeah, that's the t- discipline I've gone, and that's where my like my love lies. So yeah. How did you decide that that was yeah. for you? 
Oh, people ask me this all the time. It's actually, um, there isn't like one defining feature for me, but I guess um, when I kind of first started, you know, you said, you know, you do your surgical rotations as a, you know, med student and get, you know, exposure to different areas. I was really lucky that I had quite a good um, team of people that were just really, uh, really enjoyed the banter they gave one another, really enjoyed the kind of camaraderie within the group that I saw. And and that really appealed to me in the first instance, I guess, from a person side of things. But the, the surgery itself is... I think one of the more forgiving surgical disciplines and in a sense I mean that you know every surgery has its challenges and and orthopedics is you know certainly a challenging one at that but you know if you put a nail in the wrong spot or a screw in the wrong spot you can you know take it out and put it in again and reposition and you know you can often you know plan ahead and, and think about things like that whereas you know if you're playing with someone's brain and you know you put something in one millimeter to the left then that could be game over so that scares me mm-hmm. um in that sense but no like the human body and the, the skeleton and the, and the the you know musculoskeletal system to me is kind of the most important thing because without that we really have nothing right so yeah. <laughs> it's broken like a true orthopedic <laughs> surgeon yeah <laughs> but also yeah I, sh- I should go we look we get to carry hammers and yeah because i'll probably make a mistake but if i do it doesn't really matter <laughs> no it's just it's it's you know it's a creative it's a creative area of surgery you know like yeah. we can reconstruct things and you know it's, it's yeah I like the crafty side of it I guess I, I really liked that about ortho too I used to work in theatre and I, I only liked the really little ortho stuff I wasn't interested in doing joints and stuff I just mm-hmm. wanted to do like little orifs on fingers and stuff because yeah. it was kind of fun <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah I once I worked in operating theatre as well and I had I was on call and got called in um for a uh, a patient that had had a hip done and they fractured their I don't even know what the bone is, the femur. Anyway, they, yeah. <laughs> and the, the nurse that I was on with, she's like, you scrub because I know where everything is. Like I'm ortho trained. I was like, I don't want to scrub. I don't want to do this. I don't like it. And the orthopedic surgeon was like, you're going to have to push on the leg. We need to pop it out. And anyway, when it popped out, I almost vomited in my like, my helmet. I was like, oh, that's the worst. And he's like, are you going to survive? I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Bones are gross. What's your favourite surgery? Like what's your favourite, most interesting surgery that you've been part of or that you love to do? Yeah, I guess the most interesting one I've been involved with, um, at the moment I'm working with the bone tumour unit, so we get to do some pretty cool reconstructive type procedures. Um, There is this one that we've done where um, basically you, I'll kind of summarise it in simplistic terms, but basically you take the tumour out of someone's tibia, so you know one of the bones in the the lower leg, and we used a humerus from a cadaver um, that we then used part of their fibula on the same side and spun that around into the cadaver humerus and kind of plumbed it back in like a bone hot dog. Um, it's, called, it's called a Kapana technique. It's a really cool thing. And, you know, it takes, you know, 12 hours of surgery. It's, you know, an all-day event. Um, but, you know, to do that is, is like to salvage someone's limb instead of having to traditionally, you know, amputate. Uh, so that stuff is really, really cool. You know, the reconstructive options we have, um, especially in paediatric cases where traditionally, you know, for bone tumours, they'd have to just lose a limb. So that yeah. stuff's um, that stuff's probably the coolest stuff I've been involved in. Do they use a lot of 3D printing and that kind of thing? Um, yeah, we use it occasionally to operative plan. Um, we don't use it as much for custom implants and so forth, but you can. Yeah, we tend to we tend to just use you know more off-shelf stuff if if needed but um 
but yeah, no, it's, cool. it's pretty cool stuff we can do. It's pretty so cool exciting. Stuff. Yeah. I could see why you'd be interested. I guess yeah. the stuff, I mean, cause I worked uh, at one of the like tertiary hospitals up here, <laughs> but we still, we only had three theaters and like we'd fit emergency cases like in between. So we weren't doing mm. like, massive stuff. I think the biggest, the biggest um, surgery we did were like, like we didn't have neuro or anything like that. Mm. Like we, um just it was pretty much like ortho general agony mm. i guess i haven't seen a lot of the great big things that they're doing mm. Mm. i mean this stuff's not common you know this stuff's definitely <laughs> yeah. not common but yeah you know um you know trauma stuff's really cool as well you know like being able to kind of you know just uh, think on your feet and you know damage control type surgery stuff that's cool nurses are going through a really difficult time right now and we get that finding time to go to therapy while working shift work can be even harder this is why we're sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp has customised online therapy that offers video, phone and live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You can use BetterHelp at a time that suits you, in a format that works for you and that fits in with your schedule. There's a huge range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network, so help is accessible to you no matter where you are. You just fill out the questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you can schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge at any time. Join the 2 million people who've taken care of their mental health with BetterHelp. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash 2HN. That's better help.com slash 2HN. That's the number 2HN. Oh, and again, Kelly's favourite question. Kelly had to keep this question <laughs> in and I was like, really, is it even necessary? Okay. She's built it up now, but what's your favourite bone and why? Oh, okay. All right. Favourite bone, probably the femur. Um, it's the strongest bone. It's the longest bone. Uh, and it's the bone we operate on the most probably, so... The one I'm it's most five familiar five. with. It's my five. It's my five. It's a good bone. I mean, you know, every bone is great. You know, there's 206 of them. I like them all. Um, but uh, you know. Kelly, what's your favourite bone? I'm curious now. Oh, oh, I didn't really think about an answer for it. <laughs> I don't like bones. I feel like the skull's pretty cool because, like, it's protect. It protects like your brain. And I've yeah. seen people whose skulls just crush for no reason at all really and then other people's whose skull just they can smack their head so hard and then they just shake it off like nothing's happened and I'm like how did that happen <laughs> plus I've used I've I've used skull brain oh no I personally skull use brain. it obviously skull <laughs> bone to reconstruct um a nose in surgery so yeah, cool. I dropped it on the floor the surgeon <laughs> handed it to me and I dropped it Oh, he would have been so. He or she would have been so mad. He was like, he was like, get a bowl of get a bowl of betadine, put some antibiotics in it, and just soak it. And I soaked it in peroxide, and like, then we just used it. Yeah, yeah. We, we call that the med student special or the registrar yeah. special because normally it's it's a junior surgeon or a medical student that does that. <laughs> like that. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm curious, actually, are there any surgeries that you hate doing or that you just you don't want to be a part of? Uh, not really. I mean, at my level, I'm like a sponge, you know, so like everything I see and do is exciting to me and I'm, you know, learning every day. So nothing so far that I do not like in particular. Um, orthopedic wise, of course, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If they threw me in and made me do something that wasn't bones, I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but 
not go and do an anterior yeah. vaginal repair. Yeah, no, that, look, not for me. <laughs> I don't think they're for anybody. Obviously, as females in the industry as well, we can mm. get a bit of, uh, like, bias against us. But you are also very heavily tattooed mm-hmm. and very multicoloured in your hair and, you know, you've got piercings. Has mm-hmm. has that affected your medical career in any way so far, do you think? Look, I, I can't directly pinpoint any areas that it has but I guess the hardest thing is is a lot of the applications there's not a lot of transparency so you know you never really know truly if it is affecting you but I've been really lucky like so far you know the jobs I've applied for I've been able to get positions for you know I've, I've always interviewed well I've always had really supportive mentors that you know know that I am who I am and I'm unapologetically who I am and they support that um so I don't know whether I've just been particularly lucky or not but um I think for me you know I'm a hard worker I'm caring um I always go above and beyond so maybe or hopefully that people just let my work speak for itself so yeah I I've got quite a few tattoos too and I don't think it's ever affected my nursing mm. career mm. at all I like I'm a nurse like unit manager now more interesting to your mm. patients yeah I don't I don't even see like I forget I have them even though yeah. they're all over my arms yeah. and patients will say something and I'm like like one patient the other day asked me about avocados and I was like oh uh, yeah like I, I like eating them and she's like, oh, no, you've got like an avocado tattooed on you. So I thought it must have meant something. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, no worries. Avocado. Like, yeah, it's like yeah, like yeah. Avocado. <laughs> yeah. Same for me. I often, I always forget too. And then, you know, like occasionally someone will bring something up or it'll be a conversation starter. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Yes. I yeah. do have rainbow hair and yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing, you know, an old pink outfit or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was discriminated against when I went for my grad year at the Royal Children's because I was the only person not wearing a suit. I wore like really nice black jeans with this gorgeous blouse and everyone else was in like skirt suits. I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't get that memo. I swear. I made like like the top 100 and they only take 50. And, um, yeah, I'm determined that was the only thing that would have separated me from everybody else in the room. Screw them. Discrimination. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How have you been treated as a female in a mostly male industry? I mean, especially like... I don't know what the ratio is between male and female identifying doctors. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing it weighs heavily on the male side. And yeah. then also in ortho, I mean, of all the orthos I've worked with, I think I've never worked with a female ortho consultant. Mm, yeah, I think the numbers for, I think at last check for female orthopedic consultants is like 3.3% compared to men. So it's, um, you know, we're still quite the minority, but that's consultancy. I mean, at a training level, it's certainly improving, um, but improving slowly. And by slowly, I mean still way behind where it should be. Um, Look, I, to be honest, again, like I'm a pretty strong personality. It takes a bit to rock me. So I've been pretty lucky, Um, but I certainly do know of other female colleagues uh, in particular, you know, at 
the orthopedic level with it, you know, found it harder. Um, you know, if you're, you're not quite a vocal person, um, it can be quite easy to be, you know, I guess to be kind of hidden away in the shadows in a sense. Um, sometimes, you know, I walk into a room with my, you know, interns on the team that are, you know, male colleagues and, you know, often people will just be like, oh, you know, assuming that he's the surgeon and I'm not. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that still happens. I think that kind of unconscious bias towards us being women um you know that still certainly does happen um you know all things like you know you can only ever get an extra long extra large gown in theater you can can never get a freaking gown that fits me (laughs) um you know I'm always tripping over it or I can never get to the height of the table um but no like it's it's slowly changing and look uh, orthopedics Australia is certainly trying to get more women in but it's certainly still behind and we certainly do still get you know unconsciously kind of discriminated against without people realizing it's certainly still there yeah yeah absolutely yeah I think it's the same in the nursing world too you know like people expect women to be nurses and yep men to be doctors so um yeah if there's a if you walk in with one of your nursing colleagues even if you're dressed in the same uniform they just assume they're the doctor or you know one yes. of the managers at our work just wears a polo shirt and everybody thinks he's a doctor. I'm like, he's not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Oh, okay. I asked you what your favourite bone was. Yep. Do you have a favourite tattoo? Oh, ooh, favourite tattoo. Got many. Um, (laughs) Lots that uh, kind of mean different things, different points in my life that are quite hilarious, um, which people won't really understand, but I'm sure you ladies will appreciate them. So um, I'll tell you them. I've got a Nicolas Cage from Con Air. Oh, no. Oh, my God, it's one of my favourite movies. One of my favourite movies is just him with the hair blowing in the wind, you know, Cameron Poe enjoying life. Um, Got one of those. That's a good one. Um, Brilliant. (laughs) I've got a little Dr. Nick Riviera from The Simpsons where it says, um, you know, tell me what and I'll cut below, um, (laughs) which I got when I got into surgical, I got my first surgical job as a resident. So I got got one of them to commemorate that. Um, What other fun ones have I got? That's great. So many. I've got a a party raptor, like a velociraptor drinking in Tom Collins. Oh, (laughs) what was the first tattoo you ever got? Um, I got like a little tiny rose on my hip when I was like 16 years old that I Classic. picked off the wall in a tattoo yeah. shop telling him I was 25. Yeah. Oh, you really went big. 16 yeah, I went, went big or go, went, go, go, I go, was, go home. I was 17 <laughs> and it was 1995 and tattoos were not a thing and I walked into this dodgy tattoo parlour by myself Yeah, and he smoked a joint and asked me if I wanted some and I was like no she's right and then (laughs) I got a dolphin tattooed on my boob yeah thank god it's low enough that you can't see it when I wear (laughs) a low cut top but I was just like all my friends were like what the fuck Kelly but I was like it's 1995 tattoo like dolphin like it was it's just it's yeah. but it's terrible. Like I between think. the three of us, we are each a cliche because I have a bird on my back and it was my only tattoo and I got it when I was 18, like as a present from my best friend. I love and that. Three cliches. Mm. That's all right. We can be three cliches. Three peas in a pod. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
do you feel like do you feel like that people assume that you're unprofessional like do you, what's like the first impression that people get of you do you think or like are you are people surprised that you're a good doctor look yeah. look uh look I don't know like again you never really know what people talk about you behind closed doors um okay. but to my face like I get pretty good responses you know people are uh, sometimes you know be like oh, oh you're okay you are my doctor like you know they're a bit taken aback <laughs> in the first instance but once I start talking to them you know they kind of um understand um and I happy and accepting and I mean you're uh, freaking stunning so like anyone will I'll be like stop. oh you're my doctor okay. <laughs> stop. <laughs> stop you guys <laughs> too kind trust me I don't look like that in scrubs um <laughs> no, nobody no, does and it's, uh, and it's yeah. Meredith Grey yeah, yeah. I know, right. oh I do you get that. do you oh. get any jokes about your surname I do, I do, oh. yes. More often than not, it's like, oh, Dr. Gray, Dr. Gray. Like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's fine. Um, look, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm an open book, you know. If people ask me about them, I, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's rare that someone, you know, really says anything that they're not happy about straight away. And, I mean, like, I work majority of the time in, in the in the public system I do do a little bit of work privately as well um but you know it, it, people should just be thankful that they're getting health care you know if they're if they're worried um or have more to say about what their doctor looks like than you know anything else then maybe they just need to check themselves exactly. <laughs> and just, you know be thankful that you've got someone that's offering support and trying to be there to, to help you not yeah turn us away because we don't look a certain well we look a certain way like that's just ridiculous I get quite passionate about advocating for you know tattooed people in all workplaces because yeah. um the fact that bias is still there is crazy um and it needs to go um and people need to realize that just because you look a certain way doesn't mean you can or can't be competent at something based on your appearance so absolutely yeah amen and it's and it's one of those unconscious bias that you have because mm. even as a fairly heavily tattooed person i still will look at some tattoo people <laughs> And be like, oh, you know, like still have those internal. Like that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though, I suppose, especially when it comes to face and things like, I mean, I would love. I don't know. It's it's Can interesting you that you, have you that. wanted to get. A yeah, and no, I was face. literally about to say I would love to get. I really want to get one on my side of my face, but I'm not brave enough. Yeah, but <laughs> I'd, I'd pay good money to see that. I'd like to get one. Hey, of I, own a, I own a studio. I can make that happen. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you, actually, I was going to ask, how did you get involved in, in now you own a business? How the yeah. fuck do you own a business and work like 100 hours a week? I don't know. Yeah. Look, I don't sleep a lot. Um, <laughs> no, look, I, um, you know, I'm lucky. I've got, uh, I, my crew at the studio are very, you know, they basically manage themselves. They do a really good job of that. So, um just having supportive people around me helps. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of stumbled into the tattooing scene when I was younger when I started collecting a lot and um, that's how I met my husband and that's how, um, you know, we then decided to open a tattoo studio. I wanted to create a safe space. Um, you know, as you know, <laughs> being, you know, when you get tattoos, sometimes like you mentioned before, you know, you walk into that, you know, kind of scary shop where, you know, people, you're like, oh no, this is going to be run by bikies and people think that, which is yeah. crap these days. Uh, so I just wanted to create an area that was safe for people and they could come and know that they're getting, you know, clean environment, good artists, you know, um, somewhere they can feel comfortable. So that's part of the reason why I kind of got into it and went out and 
created the studio. I guess that's you could amazing. Say. Yeah, I love I that. Feel like, and you have a toddler. I feel like I need to lift my game. I'm like, we <laughs> how much time the podcast and working two days a week is. <laughs> no, but I, I do have a very supportive nanny as well because without a nanny, my life would not be possible. Mm. My my nanny Danielle is literally like my guardian angel. She oh, is just nice. I would be lost without her. Um, yeah, because you're right, having a toddler and doing all of this is somewhat poses challenges at times you could say <laughs> yeah that's right. do what I, I need imagine to. no you're doing great yeah, thank you honestly Arriving. yeah i love it thanks guys you're too kind we have some word association for you, Sarah. Oh, I shit, okay, mind. on the spot, all right. Um, yeah, this is something we've only started with our guests recently and we feel okay. like it gets a good giggle. So we're going to, okay. you just got to go for this, the first thing that okay. comes to your head, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I don't know who thought of these words. I feel like it wasn't me. Yeah, okay. Bona. Uh... <laughs> uh, happy time. <laughs> Porn. Horn, honk. Horn, yeah. Anvil. Uh, Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Yeah. Yes. Handbag. <laughs> I said nurse, not pet. Oh, they said pet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Superhero, superhero. Oh, I like it. Yeah. God. Uh, devil. I thought you were going to say fake. That's good. <laughs> um, me- <laughs> Needle. Uh, syringe. Coffee. Life. Pumpkin. Halloween. Gum. Uh, Americans get their shit together. <laughs> I love it. Ghoul. Horror. Oh, thank you so much oh, for having a chat with us today. So much pressure. You're Dr. welcome. Gray. No, please call me Sarah. I get weird when people call me doctor. <laughs> but, oh. <laughs> We we love to see women breaking the bias and just excelling. Well, I feel like you're excelling in fucking 50 areas. Leisha, I need to write something down, take some notes. I'll stop. (laughs) (laughs) You can follow Sarah on Instagram at rosesareread underscore 23. And you can follow us at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast. Don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast and send us an email to hello at twohumorousnurses.com. That's humorous like the bone, H-U-M-E-R-U-S. Bye.